Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. She died at a very young age. She was not even 50 years old. In the end, all of the various illnesses and health and physical challenges that she had because of that accident back when she was 18 caught up with her. She ended up having to have her leg amputated. And so she was in the final weeks of her life. She knew she was dying. And she had painted this beautiful painting of watermelons, which signify life and abundance, especially like in Mexican culture. Knowing that she was dying, knowing she was at the end of her life, she wrote the words on the painting, Viva la Vida. Everything she had gone through, knowing she was probably getting ready to die, she was dealing with so much pain the fact that she was still celebrating life it really just struck me that like despite everything that she went through and like the hardest times it just really read to me as if like I don't know that she would have done anything differently and it still was like celebrating the fact that she got to live this life and she was sharing that sentiment with anybody else who might one day see her paintings you only get one life regardless of like what other people might think about you regardless of like what other people's opinions might be or how other people think you should live your life I think about somebody like Frida who I'm sure so many people both during her life and after have had opinions and she really didn't care and was just like long live life like let's celebrate it you only get one so that's i feel like the thing that has really stuck with me you're listening to yo quiero dinero a personal finance podcast for the modern latina i'm your host janice torres award-winning latina personal finance expert i didn't always have my financial shit together but when i started looking for poc friendly personal finance podcasts i couldn't find any and so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in.
Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Ariana, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. This is a long time coming, especially after we had you as part of our incredible speaker panel at the Our Money, Our Power Summit in Puerto Rico. I was like, I got to have this badass on the show because she is truly a woman who is out here killing it in lots of different ways. Let's start off with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll go ahead and dive into your story. Yeah, of course. So I'm Ariana Davis. And by day, I am the editorial director of digital for the Today Show, which basically means that I'm basically like the editor in chief of the website today.com. And I'm also the author of What Would Free to Do a Guide to Living Boldly, which is a part self help, part biography book inspired by the lessons we can learn on how to live a bolder life from the life of the artist Frida Kahlo. I love it. Okay, so you're a woman in a space that I think is pretty like white dominated. You're a woman of color. The media industry can be seen as like sort of a gatekeeping industry where a lot of the narratives that we're fed are controlled by certain people. And so I think the fact that you're in this space is very unique. And I'd love to know, how did you even get into media? Like, was this always part of the plan? Well, I'll try to give you the shortest version of the story. You know, I'm really lucky. I always say in that I knew from the age of like eight that I wanted to be a writer. From being a little kid, I was always like the shy, awkward kid at school. So I was a total bookworm. I love to read. So I always was like a words person. And then I think that that love of reading naturally kind of led to when I was in school, my teachers, I remember like they told my parents that I was like a good writer. And so I feel like I always kind of knew from a a young age that like writing was something I was good at and it was something that I enjoyed and that I loved. But my parents were kind of like, okay, that's cute. But like writing does not necessarily like make you money. Like, don't you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or any of those things? But once I got to high school, I think my dad kind of was like, all right, clearly this girl is not going to let go of the dream of writing. So like, let's look into like journalism because just writing books isn't necessarily a living. So that was kind of what sparked it. I think when I was in high school, I was like, all right, I think I want to be like a newspaper reporter. I was going to be like the black and Puerto Rican Lois Lane. That was like what I was, you know, envisioning. But I, what I really always loved was magazines. And as you can see, I have a lot of hair. So I spent a lot of my time growing up in the hair salon and reading magazines. It was like, I would just be another dryer for hours. And so I fell in love with magazines. But by the time I got to college and studied journalism, the world of magazines was this very just glamorous world that I was just like, I had no idea how to break into that. And, you know, there were internship opportunities at magazines. But in order to do that, you had to move to New York City for the summer, live in New York City, pay for extra college credits in order to intern. 
So for me, it was just kind of always this like this unreachable industry. But then my senior year, I was at a scholarship dinner. I went to Penn State University and I was there. And one of the guest speakers was the publisher of Seventeen magazine. And she got off the stage and I was just like super starry eyed. And I was just like, oh, my God, I need to talk to this woman, whatever it takes. And so I basically something just like came over me and I thought something came over my body and I followed her to the bathroom. And I was like just there pretending to wash my hands. And I was like, oh, fancy meeting you here. By the way, I'm Ariana. I'm going to be moving to New York after graduation. And luckily, she didn't think I was crazy. And she ended up giving me a card. And so when I moved to New York to intern at the New York Daily News after graduation, I was there to do newspaper work. But I ended up meeting up for coffee with this woman. And she kind of became like a mentor for me. And so then when there was a postgraduate internship opening at Oprah Magazine, which is the same company that Seventeen is owned by, I reached out to her and she basically was like, sure. She's like, I'm happy to pass along your resume to a colleague there. And that was literally like what got my foot in the door. So if it wasn't for me taking the chance to like ask this one for her business card and taking the chance that I might look a little crazy, but she kind of helped to kind of get my resume to the top of the pile for this internship opening at Oprah Magazine. And then eventually I got that job. And that was literally what started my career in media was that story right there. Wow. That's an incredible gem of knowledge, y'all, that I need y'all to pick up. Okay. Because at the end of the day, every time I talk to somebody who's doing something extraordinary, who was paving a path where maybe one did not exist. It's literally because of relationships. It is cultivating relationships. It is putting yourself out there. It is doing the scary shit. It is being okay with the idea of I'm all right with rejection, but I will not be okay with regret. And it sounds like that's the approach that you took. Where did those cojones come from, girlfriend? I really don't know because as I mentioned, like the reason I became a words girl and like a writer was like, I was always super shy as a kid. I like my parents used to have to tell me to like speak up when we go to restaurants because I was like afraid to talk to the, to the servers. Like I just, I was always like the weird, shy, awkward kid. But I think that I definitely blossomed. I think when I went to college and I think a lot of that was just finally finding myself making friends and just getting like a little bit of like confidence. But to this day, I still really don't know what came over me. I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was just like, I finally just felt like this fire inside of me of just realizing that alignment of like, I see right here is an opportunity to go after something that I may never get again. And I think that I just felt this feeling of like, this opportunity literally might walk me by. Like I think about it all the time. If I had not had the cojones to go and talk to this woman, like would I have had the same trajectory that I ended up having? I don't know. So I think for me, it was just like, there was just like a gut instinct that I just couldn't help but to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive into the media because I feel like it's a very gatekept arena where like you don't even know how to get in there. If you want to be featured, let's say you have a business. How do I, the hell do I get on TV? Like, how does any of this stuff work? So as somebody who's seeing thousands of pitches a day from all types of people that want to get your attention, what are you looking for for that next big story? So the way that it works to kind of just break it down. So I'm editorial director, which means I'm like the top dog at the website, right? But we have a team for today.com specifically of like more than 50 people. So we have writers, we have editors, and we have different teams. So we've got a health team, we've got a parents content team, we've got a food team. We also have like a team that focuses just on like news and trending. We also have separately a whole like shopping team that focuses on like products and brands and things like that. So I would say most media companies work similarly in that like there's writers who are pitching ideas, they're writing the content. And then there's editors who are kind of the decision makers and they're deciding like, what are we going to cover? What are we not? And that's kind of how it works, I think, for, for digital media, meaning like websites for brands that you love. 
similarly, it's kind of similar in TV. There's like, there's producers and the producers, you know, at different levels of the hierarchy who are scouting for ideas. They're accepting pitches. They're companies, brands, publicists. A lot of people are reaching out to them with ideas. And they're also on their own kind of out there, out and about looking for ideas and then pitching them to appear They're pitching them to their more senior level people to see if this is something that might end up on a TV show. So that's kind of like the basics. I think that it's like any industry. A lot of it is like who you know. So I think a lot of times if you are like a brand new company, if you're an entrepreneur, if you are an up and coming author, if you're someone who's just starting out with a product, it definitely can be overwhelming and it can be hard to kind of get your foot in the door and meet the right people, especially if you're not necessarily in New York or LA and you don't necessarily have the connections. But Typically, I would say the old school way of things working was very much like if you were somebody with something and you were trying to get placed in the media, you would work with a publicist. And a publicist is someone that you pay who maybe does have those connections or has experience with making those connections and is like helping you to get your product or your brand or whatever it is that you're trying to get out in the world, get that place into media. Now, the one thing I will say that I think is a positive thing about social media now is that the world is changing in a lot of ways and that we're seeing that like restaurants and brands and products are going viral on social media without needing a publicist or without needing to like have those connections. It's just like you post something and the right person sees it and suddenly it goes viral and like who even needs a publicist anymore, right? So I think that that is like a positive thing about the world now with social media is that it's less like the old school way of like needing to go through certain steps and certain levels to get your like thing that you love out into the world. And there is now kind of this new trajectory of social media too. Is it creepy for people to slide into your DMs to ask to be featured on the Today Show website? Sometimes, yes. I wouldn't say it's necessarily creepy, but I think that for me, it can be tough because I'm somebody who empathizes. I I love women. I love Black women. I love Latinas. I love people who are like me. And so sometimes I feel guilty and I feel bad that it's like every person who reaches out that I can't be like, here, I'm going to use my platform to change your whole business, Right. right? Like, I would love to do that for everybody. But that's just like not necessarily how it works. And I think, especially for me, for social media, it's like, yes, I work for the Today Show, but I'm also a person, I'm also, you know, someone with my own identity and I'm also on social media to just like share my life and my cute little moments with my dog and my travels and stuff like that. So it's also like I'm using social media just like everyone else. So as much as I am kind of like an ambassador for the place that I work by day and I'm also an author, it's also like my personal social media. So sometimes it can be a little bit frustrating when like so much of the messages that I'm getting are like pitches. So I think one thing that I try to delineate as much as I can is like there's a time and a place I think for pitching and for like shooting your shot just like I did with that woman in the bathroom many years ago but that time is not always and so sometimes it can be like a little bit overwhelming but I mean that being said like there have been things that have been pitched to me that have got caught my attention and also on the flip side of that there's been things that naturally like I'm just scrolling on social media and I happen to see and I hit up the creator or the person who made the product or the influencer and I'm like hey can you tell me more about this? So, you know, it can kind of be a two-way street, but I wouldn't say it's creepy, but sometimes I think it's like people don't necessarily read the room or like know when is like the time and the appropriate place, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it really just comes back to what you were talking about, like forming relationships. It's like you wouldn't walk up to some stranger on the street and start asking them for a favor without even having established a relationship. So I think putting yourself out there, whether that's pitching websites like helpareporterout.com or uh, Quoted or things like that. I think that's a good way to even let people know that you could be like a source of information for things. And then maybe through that process, you end up meeting some reporters, you can end up fostering some relationships, going out on coffee dates, and then establishing some sort of rapport that would make sense when you are looking for that support and amplification of what you're doing. 
Yeah, I think relationships and building relationships and also trying to not look at it as just simply transactional. I think that that's really important. Yeah. Are media kits still a thing? Should people be putting effort into these things? I think yes for some outlets. Like I think definitely like for the world of TV, I think that they're important. It just depends like where you're trying to get placed in them. But I definitely think that like people do want to quickly be able to have access to like different assets as well as like information like how many, what have your sales been and what's your follower account and just like to have all that information in one place. I think that it is still like really valuable. And I think that a lot of places are still relying on that kind of information. Okay. All right. So you're obviously someone who has a very public facing career, but you also are an author and you have kind of your own thing going on. How do you navigate that with your employer? Because there's a lot of people who want to start a business or just maybe want to start a personal brand, but they're afraid that their job's going to feel some type of way. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. About it. Yeah, I mean, this is something. So I, as far as my trajectory, I've been at the Today Show for about two years. So it feels like it's been longer, but it kind of has flown by. And so... Before that, I was at Oprah Magazine for the second time. So I started my career there, as I mentioned. I also worked at a few other places. And then I actually came back again to work at Oprah and help launch the website. And so it was while I was there that I ended up getting a book deal to work on What Would Frida Do? And so for that, it was a case where I had to kind of check in with my manager and get permission from the company that I worked for at the time, which was Hearst. We had to kind of come to an agreement of what that would look like. And in the end, they were basically fine with it as long as it didn't interfere with my day job and that like I wasn't using any of my hours or my time as long as anything was outside of my day job hours. And that was fine. And so then when I did end up coming to NBC, it was similar in that I just had to kind of make sure that was a conversation that was had before accepting the job and make sure that that understanding was had. So for me, it's worked out, but I definitely have heard of, a, there's a big conversation right now, I think, for people who are working in corporate jobs. And I think companies realizing that, especially in the kind of like the influencer social media era, that there are, you know, a lot of times people are getting offered deals and sponsorships and partnerships that companies are not necessarily happy with, or not necessarily going to just like be quick to approve. And so I think it's a personal decision whether you in favor, in order to have the stability of working for a company, if you are willing to take what comes with that stability at the potential loss of like, maybe you won't be able to do some of these things on social media or be able to do certain side projects or side hustles. Or if you're somebody who's like, I don't need the stability of working in for a corporation or a company, and I want to like do my own thing so that I have that freedom financially, spiritually, all the things. So it's definitely a personal decision. And I think that like, for everyone, it's different. I think that transparency can go a long way. Like you're either going to get the blessing or you're going to get told no. And then that's up to you to make a decision. Like, uh, do I want to work somewhere where it's not necessarily going to support my own personal ambitions and goals? That's a question for you to answer. Okay. So tell me about the book deal. So how did this come up? Why Frida Kahlo? Tell me all the things. Yeah. So Frida found me. So as I mentioned, it was 2018. I had recently come back around to Hearst Magazines, which is the company that Oprah owns her magazine with. And basically, we were launching for the first time. The magazine didn't have its own website. So I was building a site, launching the site, hiring a team. It was like probably one of the craziest times of my career. I was working crazy hours. And then 
I get this email from a book agent who is like, I have been working with Hachette Books. They're interested in publishing a book around the life of Frida because, you know, kind of in this like modern day and age, like she's still everywhere and that, you know, there hasn't been anything published about her in a long time. And we started kind of just doing some research and asking around to see if there might be a good writer out there who's interested in writing something about the life of Frida. And one of your former colleagues from Refinery29 was like, you need to talk to this girl, Ariana. She's obsessed with Frida. So it was like, you know, just kind of presented all of this to me and was like, would you have any interest? Do you have any ideas? Would you be willing to work on a proposal that we could maybe pitch to the company, blah, blah, blah. So at the time, I was just like, I do love Frida, which was apparent by the fact that like, even like my former coworkers were like on the streets talking about how I love Frida. And as much as I love her and also was like dying to write a book, as I mentioned, I, I've always loved writing. I was just like, there's no way I don't have the time. Like, how can I write a book on top of like having this really big project that I'm working on? So I really thought about it for like maybe like a couple weeks. And the idea of like saying no to A, writing a book and B, writing a book about the Frida Kahlo, it just wouldn't leave me. And I was just like, you know what? I was like, if I were Frida in this situation, like what would Frida do? Frida would write the fucking book. So I just... Like, <laughs> They know. And so that was also part of like where the idea came from. It was like, even for me and the decision of like whether or not I could and should write this book, I like was literally just thinking about like, okay, Frida was this badass, bold woman. Like, what would she do? And so that was like a lot of where the idea came from. So it really fell in my lap. It was like, I've always wanted to write a book, but I didn't think that I would write nonfiction. I didn't think that I was going to be writing a book at that time, but literally it just felt like it was meant to be. And so I ended up working on this idea, putting together the proposal, working with the publisher. They ended up loving it. I got a book deal. And then I had literally one year to research, write the book and get it, ready it out to the publisher. So it was a while, but it was also worth it. Amazing. And again, another example of how relationships have created the opportunity because you came immediately to the mind of this person who then referred you to someone else and ended up fostering this opportunity. So that's incredible. Okay, so what are the biggest lessons that we can learn from Frida? We all might be familiar with her artwork and the fact that she was probably a feminist before her time, but what can we learn specifically in your book about her? Yeah, so for me, Frida, I think what really has always drawn me to her long before this book was even a thought. You know, I think being a Latina, you know about Frida, you've seen her image, we know she was a famous artist, but for me, it wasn't until I was in high school and I watched the movie with Selma Hayek that I remember I was like, there was just so much there that I didn't really know about. Like, you know, she had this hard life at 18, she had a terrible accident that left her, you know, eventually having to have like dozens of surgeries. She spent a lot of her life in bed recovering. She also had this super toxic marriage with another famous artist. Diego Rivera. She just went through a lot of shit in her lifetime and she went through so much. And I think we all know her as like someone who went through all of these things. But when you really think about the fact that like this was a Mexicana in the 1920s and 30s, long before feminism was even a word, long before embracing who you are and being a bold, badass woman, like none of that was a thing. This was like way before all of that. And still, this is somebody who managed to like overcome obstacles, who was like very outspoken, was exactly who she was. And so for me, that's what's always been inspiring. So for the book, it was kind of like, I wanted to make sure for anybody who is like sharing her quotes on Pinterest or posting TikToks about her, whatever, that they know the story behind the woman, behind the artist. So it is part biography, but it's also like every chapter is on a different theme. So there's a chapter on creativity. There's one about heartbreak. There's one about love. There's different chapters on different themes, style, fashion. And so I kind of tell her story biographically, but then also share the lessons that I've learned, like as a Frida fan and someone who's researched her. So for me, I think all of the lessons really come down to like how 
through her life, she showed us how to be bold, whether it was like how she dressed every day and the fact that she was like plucking out her unibrow and didn't care what you thought about it because like it was something that she was proud of. And the fact that she was dressing to like pay homage to her indigenous roots as a Mexican woman or whether it was the fact that like her husband really was super, super toxic and cheated on her with her sister was a like just a really not good person to her but at the end of the day they got divorced and then they got back together and got remarried and she didn't care what anybody said she didn't care that people thought he looked like a frog like she was just like this is my decision and what I want for my life and I'm gonna do it regardless of what other people think so she was just like that in every aspect of her life and again think about it 1920s and she Mm -hmm. had the cojones as you said earlier to like have that type of boldness inside of her like way before her time so The book is a lot about just telling her story while also sharing some of those lessons. I love that. What's the biggest surprise that you learned about Frida in your research for this book that maybe caught you off guard? I think one of the things that I really loved that I always like think about is kind of along the same lines. There's this newspaper article that I read, like literally just like it saw it in the library, like the original newspaper article. This reporter, again, during her lifetime, Diego was the famous artist. Like no one knew who she was other than being Diego's wife. And she's getting off of a plane and the reporter, there's a headline and it's like, wife of the master muralist dabbles in painting. And it's like this reporter who's asking Diego's wife, like, oh, what's it like to be married to this famous artist? And you can literally read the quote in the article where she's like, my husband does all right for a little boy, but it is I who am the great artist. And again, 1920s, just imagine like this little tiny like Mexican woman who's like supposed to be standing by her man and supporting him and and all of that. And just the fact that like she just was talking to this reporter and was like, I don't really care about him. Like, let's talk about me. And when I read that and I saw that, it was just like that to me just like really embodied just like what the whole book was about. And it was like I knew she was bold. I knew that she was like so far ahead of her time. But just like reading that in print and reading that article and seeing it and like this like old black and white newspaper was just like it just really blew my mind. So I think that was probably the like things that just really stood out to me. Maybe didn't necessarily surprise me, but just like really stuck with me of just like this girl was a chingona. She was badass. Like she was just like so far ahead of her time. Yeah, I love that story. I'm curious, what's the Frida energy that you carry in your career now? Like, what's the thing that inspires you or helps you be bold about how she was? One of the things that, like, I still get goosebumps when I think about it is, so she died at a very young age. She was not even 50 years old. And in the end, all of the various illnesses and health and physical challenges that she had because of that accident back when she was 18 caught up with her. She ended up having to have her leg amputated. And so she was in the final weeks of her life. She knew she was dying. And she had painted this beautiful painting of watermelons, which signify life and abundance, especially like in Mexican culture. And knowing that she was dying, knowing she was at the end of her, her life, she wrote the words on the painting, Viva la Vida. And the fact that she's still in like everything she had been through, everything she had gone through, knowing she was probably getting ready to die, she was dealing with so much pain. The fact that she was still celebrating life, that she was just like, so it really just struck me that like, despite everything that she went through and like the hardest times, it just really read to me as if like, I don't know that she would have done anything differently. And it's, it's, she still was like celebrating the fact that she got to live this life and she was sharing that sentiment with anybody else who might one day see her paintings. So me that's what really has stuck with me is that you only get one life and regardless of like what other people might think about you regardless of like what other people's opinions might be or other how other people think you should live your life I think about somebody like Frida who I'm sure so many people both during her life and after have had opinions and she really didn't care and was just like long live life like let's celebrate it you only get one so that's I feel like the thing that has really stuck with me 
I love that invitation for all of us to live a little more unapologetically and boldly. So you are actually writing a new novel. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What do we have to look forward to? Oh my gosh. I feel like I like keep talking about this book and I'm like, I need to finish it. So I'm still working on it. It's just like a first draft, but this one will be a novel. I'm working on it. I need to send it to my agent, hopefully this week actually. But yeah, it's centered on a black and Puerto Rican girl in her twenties working in media. So that's a little preview that I'll give you, but it's, it's fiction completely different from Frida, but I think that it's the book that I have always, I think, wanted to write. And I love fiction. I'm a big bookworm, as I've said like 10 times now. So for me, it's just going to be fun, a little steamy, a little juicy. And that's the type of books that I like to read. And I think one of the big things for me is that I don't always see people who look like us as like the protagonists in those kinds of books. So it was important for me. And one of the things that I've always just jumped to doing is like writing the kind of book that I would want to read with a starring character who looks like me. So stay tuned. Girls got to finish this draft. (laughs) Yes, that is so exciting. And I love to see so much more representation in the book space. It's so exciting to see women like you writing books and writing books that are for us and by us. It's brilliant. Ariana, you're a true inspiration. I know that your story is going to impact so many people that listen to this show. And tell us where we can find your current book, What Would Frida Do? And where we can find you on the socials and on the interwebs. Yeah, of course. What Would Frida Do is available wherever you buy your books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you want to support independent bookstores, you can go to bookshop.org and it'll tell you what indie bookstore near you has my book. And then I'm most active on Instagram. So I'm there at at Ariana. That's one R, two N's, Gab, G-A-B. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I love everything you do. I love this podcast. And this was such a fun conversation. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.